This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome back after the international break to your very latest episode for every step along the way. Now, I'm not joined by my usual uh, my usual co-host Mark this week. He's, he's away on important business. So I have been joined by a friend of the pod, well-known voice on here, Ben Rowley. How are you, mate? It's a good job you've got more substitutes for this podcast than Stoke have on their bench. <laughs> yeah, and that's a pretty big bench these days as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I, I I know that we're going to be talking about the Preston game at some point, and if anyone listened to the first part of the season, uh, they'll know that I missed the first few games, um, and that Preston is the only game that I've watched from the stands this season. Um, and uh, we lost it, didn't we? So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, you you came back with a bang, mate. <laughs> back to reality. Um, did, did you did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the game? Was it nice uh, to, to a point? I mean, we went out, so me and my friends went out for a pub crawl and a curry in Longton afterwards, and to, and that was more enjoyable. So. Yeah. Yeah, make your own conclusions. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, how how would you say then the um, interest? This would be interesting. So, what differences did you see in that game compared to the last time you were at the game, or the last few in like you know the end of last season? Um, I think it's been mentioned on this podcast before as a as a first point that the crowd were more patient. Um, even when we did go behind, um, you know, even when we were two nil down, um, the atmosphere was okay. A little bit here we go again, but it was cer- it, it was certainly more patient, certainly more encouraging. You know, the final whistle was, you know, the reaction was fine, um, and and it's good. You know, the clubs clearly had a reset over the summer, and the fans have responded to it. Um, long overdue. But you know, it, it's it's a step in the right direction to to healing that atmosphere again. Um, obviously, having different types of players on the pitch, um, it's a shame we had a couple of players injured. Um, I, I think it was just the same old in terms of Alex Neil 
doesn't know what his best team is yet. He didn't know it last season. Um, and that's because he didn't have the players at his disposal. He's got the opposite problem this season where he's got too many players where, don't be wrong, I'm sure he's had a big hand in signing them and researching them, but until you get them on the grass, how the hell are you supposed to know what their strengths and weaknesses are? So he's still, you know, p- playing with these players and figuring out how best to use them because scout reports and <laughs> whatever else ain't ain't, ain't going to do it justice, really. Plus, seeing how they all work together. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's been a, you know, a standout partnership or link-up or anything yet, and... Um, Surely, after signing seventeen players, there's going to be one in there. But <laughs> the club's asking for patience, and we'll, to be fair to the supporters, we seem to be giving it to them as well. Yeah, I, th- I think fans have sort of um, come to terms with the fact that they, 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 you can't expect everyone to just click when you've signed near enough a whole squad of players and. I think that that's a fair a fair way of going about it. To be honest, I think we, there's no point getting on the manager's back, getting on the board's back, anyone else's at this point. At this point, because it's not going to achieve anything. I think you've 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 wiped the slate clean with a lot of players. A lot of new faces have come in, and if they think if they look around, you know, two, three, four, six, however many games into being here. And they see that there's, you know, just especially after, you know, winning four one, winning six one, beating West Brom, you're winning three out of four home games or whatever, and then all of a sudden you've got disgruntlement, and then people, you know, voicing, you know, quite, uh, you know, being quite angry towards the manager and stuff like that. I think it's only going to sort of go see them revert a bit back into the shells, a bit like we saw with players the last few years. Mm, I I think that for all the positives, the negative is I think that um you know with with so many players coming in and spots being up for grabs, a lot of players are trying to impress and perhaps imp- a little bit too much. Um, you know, people were saying Maddie Laris was doing it. Um, I thought that Walter Berger was doing it. You know, I just you know the game could have been a lot simpler where I think, you know, some players were clearly trying to prove to the manager that they're worthy of getting in the team. And of course the the enthusiasm you have when you join a new club, um, it, it's, it's just going to take time. That isn't it. The, you know, it's like being in a new relationship. You've got to try and, you know, settle down, get, get, get easier surroundings and, um, just just calm down because they're good players we can see they're good players um and you know if they're not great players now they certainly will be by the by the looks of things with their potential but uh, i think it's going to be frustrating for a little while particularly against teams who you know who we played preston millwall uh teams that have been established you know for quite some time and are gonna know how to play against these players and frustrate us. And I, I'll be honest, I uh, although I don't think they were great, I don't think Preston really had to get out of second gear much. Um, you know, they had a couple of flashes in the first half. Obviously, took their chances in the second. Otherwise, they seemed to quite happily defend us. Really, um, didn't have many clear sides of goal. Um, there's 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 work to do, but if you you know, thought that we were going to go off the season with a flyer, then 
uh, you know, that's a bit naive, really. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, uh, one person who did seem to have to fly, though, was uh, Young Bay when he came on, wasn't it? I think, um, I'll be honest, I was... Uh, I used to see all the YouTube videos. Anyone can, you know, I think I've said before, I think me and you, Bank, we can have a get these few clips together and make ourselves look a world beater on YouTube. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, but, but what impressed me more about anything was his physicality. Like he was jumping up for it, he was getting stuck in for trying to win balls in the air. Um, he was holding people off. Uh, you know, he, he was getting ta- you know, he, he would get tackled. He jumped straight back up, you know, and won the ball again. And I thought, you know, the one thing coming from sort of the Korean league that may have hampered sort of you know, his transition into English football could have been the physicality. But to me, he seemed to be lapping it up. He was loving it. <laughs> yeah, he did. He was, you know, going up for headers and diving into tackles, and you know, not afraid to take a player on. And you know that that. Aggression, if nothing else, you know, if he's not got the physical presence yet, that aggression is going to be really important. Um, but I think what what impressed me more was his decision making, like his the the speed and the and the uh, the accuracy, I suppose, or the potency of his decision making. Like he knew when to pass the ball off, he knew when to wait outside of the box, he knew when to you know take a few players on and go for goal or lay a pass. Um, you know, not everything came off, but I, we've seen Rabadan Tobi here. Um, <laughs> I think and that, and that's possibly, um, you know, the player with a sort of hype and reputation that, that, you know, we've seen before at Stoke and what, what thwarted him was his decision-making. How many times did he have to cut inside and out and inside and out and inside and out and eventually to just go for a goal kick? Um, didn't seem to get that with Bay, um, albeit in a twenty-minute cameo or whatever it was he had. But it—you it, you can tell he's been playing senior football for a little while, um, albeit in the Korean league, yes. But um, you know, there's an there's an intelligence about him as well as skill, and well, for a nineteen-year-old, that's not bad, is it? No, I think he's going to be a player who Championship centre halves are going to be looking at. I think I, I really hope that. That my partner's the one picking you up today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially in this division where there's more than the Premier League, where these the centre halves can be a little bit more um, agricultural, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> At times, um, the last thing they probably want is somebody sort of with his sort of uh, fleet of foot around the place. But yeah, I am. Um, just, just out of interest, before we move on to a couple other players, where, how quickly do you think he will force his way into Alex Neal's first eleven? Well, I was going to say, I think he'll be on the bench and coming on as a substitute for some time. You know, he looks ready. Um, you know, in all aspects, he looks ready for that. And uh, you know, we're talking about, you know using people like Laris and I was going to say Jacob Brown, but he's not here. <laughs> Wesley, um, you know, to, to wear these defenders down. And then with 20 minutes to go, you know, with all these substitutes we've got now, um, you know, bringing Bay on is going to be a nightmare for them. Um, and I, I can imagine him being really dangerous in the last 20 minutes of games. Um, for the first 11 though, 
it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how quickly his English develops and his understanding tactically of what Alex Neal wants from him, you know, because I think as a substitute, um, you know, you need to know less of that, don't you, particularly for an attacker. You know, if you've been thrown on with 20 minutes to go, you're, you're, you're likely going on to try and win the game, aren't you? Um, whereas, you know, if you're playing uh, Southampton or Leeds, you know, I imagine Bay would be asked something completely different of him. Um, and of course, it depends on, you know, the rest of the squad too. You know, we've got... Come on, I'm going to try it. Hack... Hak Shabanovic, I think. Yeah, that sounds good enough to me. I'll do. I'll- Thank you. Um, <laughs> Sayad. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, if he comes good, if Vidigal keeps, you know, performing, Tyrese Campbell's obviously, you know, long-standing member of this team and, you know, uh, you know he'll, he'll be expecting to start a few games, I think. Wesley, my, you know... I think the manager is going to try and protect him a little bit, you know, because he's got, you know, older, more experienced and established options in the squad. But it may well be that Bay does, you know, so well that, you know, the manager can't ignore him. Um, So it depends, depends on him and how he does. And it depends on the rest of the squad as well, I guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's eased in, up until maybe next year, say the start of twenty twenty four, um, after Christmas. But yeah, I I I hope he gets in the team because by God, he brings us something different. Yeah, I think he's he's one to get sort of bums off seats as well. And Tich, mm-hmm. it's always nice to have players like that around. Um, where do you actually see him playing? Obviously, he sort of came came in on the left hand side, didn't he? When he when he came on and. You sort of found him in the middle because the game was sort of opening up and it gave it allowed for a bit more freedom because we needed you know, something to happen. Um, if he was obviously in time to start games, where who do you see him coming in for out of what we've sort of got in there at the minute? Do you think he will be a wider player or do you think he could maybe be more of an advanced midfielder? That's what he seemed to be in Korea, didn't he? You know, he seemed to be an attacking midfielder, essentially. Um, But there we've got players like, you know, Daniel Johnson, um, you know, Berger player. You know, he he can play in that position. Um, So I imagine he's probably understudied for those guys. Ryan May may end up being a second striker as well. So... It's a bit crowded there, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, but then so are the wings, aren't they? You know, with the three or four players that we could play on the wing. Um, I think, to be honest, if he's coming on as a sub, you tend to bring on, you know, a winger to try and sit somebody down and, you know, get around the outside and put a ball in the box or arrive late. And um, I, I imagine we'll see him as a winger first and foremost, but... When he starts games, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that sort of second striker role. Um, but then, like many players we've got in this squad, you know, it'll be horses for courses. I, I imagine, you know, he'll be started for some games, particularly to unlock a defence like a Rotherham or something. Um, not as if we needed that. We scored eight goals against him this season. Or ten? Is it ten goals? Ten, yeah. Ten, ten goals. Um, yeah, it's not as if we need that against them. I mean, like against a team like Preston who are sitting deep against a team like Millwall who are hard to break down he'd be great at breaking them down but 
you know, maybe against the Leeds or a Southampton, he might struggle and we need someone like Daniel Johnson instead. So um, I'd say a winger off the bench and probably an attacking midfielder when he does get more established in the team because that seems to be where he has been playing. Yeah, and so moving on to another sort of debutant in the Preston game uh, off the bench as well was Lyndon Gooch. Um, now, obviously, Sunderland fans, there was, I think there was, there was a lot of Sunderland fans who were sort of mourning the loss of the man, Lyndon Gooch, but more accepting that they maybe wouldn't miss the player, Lyndon Gooch, as much. That was the sort of, the, you know, what a character, what a guy, what a... Um, uh, sort, of, sort of a legend around the club kind of thing, but yeah, he's not. If we want to be moving towards the top end of the championship, he's, he's yeah, we're not going to miss him. Yeah, he came on for us in that game, and I thought I was really impressed with him. I thought he he added something a little different, um, a lot of drive from right back, a lot of sort of pay. He got again good decision making, similar to what you say with Bay. You know, he he was coming up, putting balls in from all different kinds of angles. Um, I didn't really get tested defensively too much because we were very much on the front foot but I, I don't know what you thought about him Ben I thought the cameo was a good one as you're saying um, you know bar in the first game against Rotherham I don't think Hoiver's had the uh, or Henry rather has had the, <laughs> the the best start to the season albeit you know he had he set a very high bar last season didn't he so we can forgive him to an extent um, but that, that's it like all the players we've signed, I think I don't think there's many players we've signed are that are of a similar mould. You know, Gooch is going to bring something a bit different. Um, you know, an experienced head who, you know, will probably less likely to get frustrated and is more likely to pick his head up. He 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 looks mobile. He looks you know direct. Um, what what concerns me a little bit is, um, you know. I, I seem to remember him, you know, being in the Premier League with Sunderland all those years ago. Um, and then obviously they went down to League One and nobody really wanted him then, did they? Uh, you know, he, he was one of the few players that stayed with Sunderland all the way through. And, um, you know, here he is being finally let go by the looks of things. You know, that's why he seems to have moved on because I don't think he was being offered a contract next year at Sunderland. So. We picked him up, I imagine, for a, a relatively cheap, a, a relatively cheap deal on a, a you know, a, uh, on a squad filler role would be what I'd say. But you know, yeah, having someone like that, so what a million pounds we paid for him. Well, there you go for for someone of experience because that defense is you know lacking it really. You know, you got Ben Wilmot, Michael Rose, Luke McNally, Hoiver, Shamadeu. Um, you know, apart from Stevens, he's got to be our oldest, our oldest defender. So, you know, we we needed that experience really. Um, so I I I think it's fine <laughs> unless he goes on to really impress. I think that's all it will be. I I can't see us keeping him past a couple of seasons. I think he's just a squad filler role. But yeah, he 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 started well, didn't he? Yeah, and um, it's funny you mentioned Stevens there because I think. That may be where we see him this weekend if uh, Stevens' injury keeps him out. Uh, I, I think Alex Neal played him at left back, I believe, for Sunderland whilst he was there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think we, we maybe there's a bit of panic about a lack of left back cover. I do think that obviously we've got um, Chamadeo. Uh, Chamadeo? Yeah, I'll do. <laughs> Junior. 
<laughs> Junior can play left back, can't he? Um, a combo sides, and so can Gooch. But obviously, two different players. Horses for courses probably determine who plays which games. Um, but yeah, to me, I was also really impressed with him. Um, do you think? Do you think we missed Andre Vidigal against Preston? Do you think he would have given us something different? Maybe could have affected the results more positively for us. Um, look, I think we definitely missed how clinical he's been on the whole, apart from was it Millwall where he possibly could have scored two or three and, and you know, fluffed him. But yeah, we 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 lacked a bit of a cutting edge really, because I think we had quite a few shots, but only one on target, was it, or something? Or it yeah. was very late when we got our first shot on target. I think so it was Bay one two with the first one, he sort of There you go, that says it all, doesn't it? So the players yeah. that started didn't manage one between them. It's it's you know, it's poor really. Um it, who knows? Because the thing is Vidigal could have scored four goals and that could be it. And Ryan Mayu scored the one against Rotherham in the cup, but he might go on to score another ten, twelve, fifteen this season it's 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 so hard with these players because we know very little about them and we've played you know we've we've not had a proper test in opposition i know they're pressing the top of the league um you you know judging by their performance they defended quite well but i don't think they'll stay there um you know we played rather um and uh, It'd be interesting to see how players like Vidigal last over the next three or four months. Um, he's looked good, you know. He's looked like a bargain so far. Um, it's a shame he's got injured because that momentum carrying on, you know, does wonderful things, doesn't it, in the championship? But um, be interesting to see whether he picks up where he left off now. Yeah, there's certainly been a couple of quotes out there about from the you know, the managers or sort of let's let things he said to me. Certainly seems a very confident boy, doesn't he? <laughs> Not mm. short of a belief in himself, which which will come in handy because, like I say, he's, he's got I think four and five games so far. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times when he goes four or five at least without scoring. Um, you know, that, that's the norm for people for attackers in a Stoke shirt, isn't it? So. The, you know, there are going to be occasions when that happens and hopefully his, uh, his confidence doesn't wane. Yeah, definitely. And ask players like Ricardo Fuller um, how confidence did for them. I, I think it was, you know, they turned out all right, didn't they? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I think, I mean, you mentioned there as well about sort of, you know, how, how we had quite a lot of shots, but none sort of, you know, very late in the game before we managed to get any on target. You know, there's a lot of, I, I I sort of turned to Mike and said, you know, I think we played badly. We've just not. It's just one of them one of them days when when he gets to the final ball, the final thing. You, you come up against a very um, settled defense and, and defensive midfield unit. They all know each other's games. They all they played together a while, and you could tell you could tell they were a settled unit, and we were one sort of looking to find each other's game a lot. And the game looked like it was playing out from last season, didn't it? There was a lot of huff, a lot of puff, but no end results when teams were sitting in. But I do think, given time, this side that we've got now will be able to break teams like Preston down. And I think this game was probably the games we've lost have probably come a bit too early for this group so far. Mm. And it didn't help the players like Ben Pearson were on a yellow card after 
you know, the first minute because, you know, what what's he good at doing, you know, breaking the play down and, you know, being a bit more aggressive. And, you know, when we did lose the ball, he, he lost that ability because he had to be careful not to get sent off. Um, you know, I think uh, Laurent and Berger together in this particular game didn't really work because we needed someone to break down the opposition and they're two, they're two number eights, aren't they? And we could have done with a number 10. Um, Laris was a little bit too industrial for my liking, I think, in this game. He didn't really offer an awful lot. Campbell huffed and puffed, but didn't really produce anything either. Um, Wesley, for all I think he's you know decent in the build-up, he, he he doesn't look like a goal scorer to me at the moment. I'm not trying to be negative; I'm just trying to be realistic. I just don't think he's that sort of you know he's not yeah. a poacher. He's he's you know he's one to you know to build up the play around, and that's where I think we could have done with a second striker really. But I say that I thought Daniel Johnson came on, and personally I thought he slowed the game down a little bit when actually we needed someone like Bay to raise the tempo, and you know Gooch did that as well. So. Uh, whether it's a mix of the players we've got in the building and not finding the right combination or whether it's, you know, them not understanding what Neil wants from them yet or just, you know, to be fair, give him credit where it's due to Preston for defending well as they have done for the whole season so far. You know, a defence that's got Liam Lindsay in, is it? You know, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, cast your mind back four years and think about how he was for us. Um, yeah. I'm I'm sort of happy to let this game slide, as I think most people did on the day. I think it was just a referee and that people were just, you know, miffed by for the most part. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think, yeah, he, he certainly didn't, um, didn't, do, didn't uh, do himself to the Stoke faithful at all, did the ref? <laughs> no, <laughs> no was, um, definitely not. I say from that very first minute. I mean, I think... It, if, if, if you showed that clip to somebody, I think you would have Ben Pearson's foul. I think you would go, yeah, yellow card. Oh, 100%. 100% it was, yeah. I mean, it, it takes some ref to give it out in the first minute and not mm. say, oh, okay, just you just you on your last life already before you get a card, mate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, he gave a card. I, I think everyone was sort of like, oh, here we go. I was like, well, he, he's definitely off at some point. <laughs> um, whether that would be like, say, but. He had to change, like you sort of mentioned, he had to change this game, didn't he? But I think they were just it was just so inconsistent the whole the whole game. Onto the ref, there was like no decision. I think that that's the most frustrating thing with referees is when two decisions don't marry up at all, and it's like, oh, hang on, have you got to that conclusion for that? Yeah, that foul over there five minutes earlier, you've got a completely different outlook on it. <laughs> I think to be like I thought on the day exactly the same. I thought, blimey, this refs, you know. <laughs> I did tweet actually. I said I think Preston spent Daniel Johnson's wages on paying the ref off. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that went down really well with the Preston fans who managed to find the tweet. Um, but you know, reflecting back on the game, I think it was more Stoke being uh, quite obviously fouling Preston players like Ben Pearson, you know, clearly tripping up someone on the halfway line for no reason, getting himself a booking, you know, and Berger dangling out, out a leg for, you know, a, a Preston player to dive over, but he did leave his leg out. Um, and Preston were being just a bit cuter with what they were doing. Um, I don't know whether that's just general 
you know, like championship experience, and that's where that brings its value because they they sort of knew how to play the league and play the ref a little bit. You know, given the digs and the pullbacks in in less obvious ways than what the Stoke players were doing. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but they seemed well drilled not only in terms of their defensive shape, but also like you know how to how to slow the game down, how to frustrate Stoke as they managed to, and how to win over the referee. I think um, it'd be interesting to see what Preston play, what the Preston fans thought, to be honest, and whether they thought that the ref was on their side or whether the ref had a good game. Because you know, Stoke fans are certainly say that the ref didn't have a good game, but um, you know, sometimes it's a bit strange. You know, we never talk about the ref if we've won, or we very rarely do anyway. Um, so it, I don't know. I. I like I say, I think some players were just a bit naive, particularly Pearson for that yellow card was, was you know, really, really silly. Yeah, and you can be a great segue, mate. You know, I love, love it in here because uh, Oliver, <laughs> our good friend, our good uh, Preston sporting friend, has been back in touch with his thoughts on the game. So uh, it seems like good, as good a point as any to have a listen to them. Hello, every step along the way podcast, it's Ollie from the Button Pride podcast, you've probably got um, sick of the sound of my voice now, but I'm currently in Turkey, not celebrating the result, well, I probably should have said that, um, but yeah, um, I've been asked by Dan just to give like a quick little review, I thought I thought it was the perfect away performance realistically from Preston North End, and he's a bit of a smash and grab really, Um at some point is really to take from the game that you know I can't even think it's going too far back now but yeah pressing off again came their way game plan and you know did it perfectly the switch um, to take off Mads Frocky Jensen at half time by Ranlow was probably scrutinised by a couple of fans um, I thought potentially it's got to be for an injury but he's brought on Dwayne Holmes and he's done wonders for us the second half, the little American. Um, you know, winning us a penalty and then obviously putting it on the plate for Will Keane to get his double. So yeah, it was a perfect smash and grab and I think any any club in the championship to get three points away at Stoke City is a, a fantastic result to have. So, yeah, massively pleased with that. Albeit, you know, we are now top of the league, which has been nice to say for the last two weeks. Um, the performances probably don't show that we may be top of the league. Um, I just feel like we've been very, very clinical in our chances, chances that we've had so far. And that's where we are today. So the momentum's definitely been building behind Ryan Lowe. And... Um, yeah, long may it continue and to be fair I have absolutely no doubts about Stoke City this season um, Alex Neal's going to get them straight back up and fighting especially for the playoffs uh, I know you're missing out on that video gal so that was a huge miss for yourselves but yeah I, I fully expect Stoke to be here there and about the playoffs this season so yeah um, thank you Dan once again for having me on and uh Wish you all well for the season ahead. Besides, when you come to return fixture at Deepdale. Cheers. 
cheers to that, Oliver. I, I'll sorry, I will admit I did not know you were on your holidays when I messaged it. So thank you for taking the time out to send that. Uh, no mention of the referee there, Ben. Well, I just go to show my point proved, doesn't it? You know, if you win, oh, the referee, yeah, it was probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe he got lost because I mean, it has been like nearly two weeks since the game, so I think maybe his memories, he's a, he can re, um, he can reflect and dismiss the referee's performance a lot easier when you've won, similar to like you said, than uh, than when we've been defeated. Um, so, man of the match-wise, uh, number one, Lyndon Gooch got man of the match, 53% of our votes. Oh, blimey. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's bad when it's a sub and we've lost, isn't it? Yeah, especially when it's a right-back sub. <laughs> oh, God. That might be the worst man of the match we've ever had. <laughs> um, second was Mark Travers. As a goalkeeper gets man of the match when you lost 2-0 at home, that's never a good sign either. Uh, you got second with 21% of the vote, and third was Ben Wilmot with 9%. Uh, Bay was fourth with 7%, and Waterberger was fifth with 5%. I actually thought he was quite disappointing after, after seeing him against Rotherham in midweek. I was expecting him uh, to sort of run the show, and I do think that maybe... Maybe he misjudged the level of the championship after that Rotherham game, and thought he was a bit casual. It was a bit casual for him against Preston. I I would agree with that. I think um, you know there was a few times where he just didn't make a five yard pass or a simple pass. You know, he he, he was being a bit Ryan Woodsy. Remember that? Oh <laughs> when yes. He was you know like just just you know casually stroking the ball around the pitch, and I. You know, he needs just to be. Uh, I'm being harsh to a degree, um, but I'm sure that Neil just told him as well. You know, just just for the first few games, tick over, do the basics right, and he's a good player. We know we we've seen how how good a player he is from you know his time at Basel and and um, you know from the game against Rotherham as well. He was class. So just just get the basics right, and you know. It, the, the 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 confidence I'm sure will drive him afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I I, I think he's shown enough of his ability. Same with you mentioned Ryan Mailer on for me the him as well. They've shown enough so far in glimpses to know that when they do fully settle, they'll be real assets to the side. Um and like I say, people are gonna settle in different places. Uh, player of the season-wise, Ben, we've got Andre Vidigal leads the way on 131. Ben Wilmot is second on 107, looking to retain his title. Uh, third was Mark Travers with 100 points. Fourth is Josh Loren with 86. That might surprise a few. And fifth is Wouter Berger with 78. So the transfer window's closed. The squad is pretty much, you would expect, um, sorted. You know, we got a couple of spaces we could possibly add a free free agents in but who's who are you calling now who wins that player of the year trophy for this season oh blimey um and we can click this up and ship play it back to you in may <laughs> uh, um oh, you know what it would be a good test to see if i can remember the 17 blows we bloody signed um <laughs> I'm gonna say mm, burger. 
I think solid choice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you'll be far off at all. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a season where, and I, I, I hope I'm proven wrong, I don't think it'll be some season where somebody breaks 15 goals, um, you know, albeit how well Vidigal started, you know. we. I think his, his peak may well have come. Uh, I'm, you know, I hope he scores every game from now on. But, you know, knowing our luck, you know, he probably started well and he might have a couple of quiet games and somebody else scores a few goals for us. And But Berger seems to be, you know, we signed him for a decent fee. Unless he's Tosh, you know, I'm sure we'll be playing him every game. Um, and, you know, I reckon he's got the quality to be at least a 7 or 8 out of 10 every week. And, you know, judging by how Belden... Judging by how Ben Wilmot Wilmot won it last season and time and the year before, you know, as long as you're consistent, you know, a consistent play, you don't have to win man of the match every week, but as long as you're in the team and playing well, and I think Berger will be well up there. Yeah, I think he. The thing as well with people like Berger, Vidigal, May, Bay, they are players who. And it wouldn't surprise me if Stoke are selling themselves as this, as a, as a springboard into English football. So, like, you come to Stoke and you are then in the shot window for Premier League clubs to come and watch you. And then if you perform well enough, they will pick you up. You know, there's been plenty of players who have moved from the Championship into the Premier League in recent years. And I think Stoke will say, you know, our aim is to get there. But. If you progress and we don't, then the opportunity will always be there for someone to come and take you and pay the right fee. And I think that's a good, that's the difference between how we've spent money this summer as well and how we maybe spent it in, say, 2018, where a lot of the players who had maybe already been there had a taste of it. Maybe they felt they weren't up to that level or you know, where was the drive as much to get back there um, I don't know if you agree with that, Ben. Mm, uh, I was actually going to ask you, who do you think gets sold to the Premier League first? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, the way the Premier League works, I wouldn't have been surprised if somebody tried to get Vidigal towards the end of the window. Yeah. <laughs> get five million quid a bit in for him. He scored a few goals. Um, yeah, that is, that is an interesting one. Uh, I think... Next summer, you could see again, pick Berger again. I think the fact of his experience he's got for for ball, obviously, you know, um, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference semi-finalist last season. I think he's already got a lot of that and done that and impressed there. I actually think that you look at the level he's been playing at there and the level he is at the Championship with Stoke... I think Premier League clubs will think he's less of a risk taking on uh, coming in for him if he's performing very well for Stoke. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I I think that's fair. Um, the only one who I think could possibly go before him, um, and maybe not in the way that people probably think. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to tear up the league and be like the the talk of the town or anything. But I think. Tyrese Campbell could be one, you know, if he's not quite getting the game time that he's after, you know, but performs in flashes, his contract's running out, 
we know that Premier League clubs have been interested in him in the past. I think that he could be one, you know, to be picked up on a, you know, bit of a bargain, really, unfortunately. Um, unless, you know, like, like I say, he becomes a really established member of this team. Um, and it's going to be hard for any of the players to, mm. you know, be established members of this team. Um, I think unless he has, you know, unless he plays 20 games by Christmas, um, don't be surprised to see someone going for him. Yeah, I can. Uh, if Sean Dyche manages to last till the new year with uh, with Everton, because yeah, they're quite happy to change their manager, aren't they? A bit like Watford you know, in this mm. league. Um, I definitely see him you know, maybe coming in for Cameron. Obviously, you've got the the past connection with his dad at Everton as well, and his dad's you know, a bit of a legend at Everton. So mm. yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely. It'd be one of them that appeases the fans a little. That, oh, yeah, we've got Kevin Campbell's son. <laughs> that uh, might just might just work. Might be what the Everton board are after. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you say, it's um, be interesting to see. Like it's going to be difficult for any of the attackers to to be nailing down a, a space week in week out just because of the the amount of competition there is. Um, and obviously, Alex Neil, as much as he probably like a settled side. He's going to know that your your attacking options are the ones that need to be kept fresh more than any other to try and win games, aren't they? And with the championship, I think this game that we're going to get onto in a minute, Norwich, it's the first of seven games in twenty one days. You're mm-hmm. not going to be picking the same three three attackers for those seven matches, are you? Well, to be fair, I think of Burnley last season. I'm not saying we're going to be like Burnley by any stretch, but I seem to remember that they. You know, played some players quite consistently at the start of the season. You know, like five, six, seven games, and then, unless my memory serves me incorrectly, drafted in some new faces. Um, was it Manuel Benson, who you know didn't play very much at first, and then was one of the players of the season by the end because he, you know, was coming off the bench, scoring loads of goals, and he was starting games. And um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised to see you know players like Bidigal playing for five or six games, him having a couple of stinkers being dropped to the bench, Haksibanovic comes in and, you know, he, he plays well for a few games and then he drops out for somebody else and, um, you know, I I think it'd be really interesting to see by the end of the season who we thought was going to be, you know, the main player in the team and I bet you somebody surprises us. Yeah, I think as well, Alex Neal's already showing anti at um, a tip switch and it's... Um... Uh, Millwall. I was thinking the other the other away game we played, we lost. Uh, that he's not surprised. He's not against making some early substitutions. Obviously, mm. you know, uh, the, the now departed Chikino came off didn't he, in the first, after half an hour, and then uh, obviously we made was it four half time substitutions at Millwall, three, three, yeah, or four. No, it was four. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure he doesn't want to be doing that, you know. But but he's shown that if the need is there, he's not scared to. Now he's got competition. He's got players on the bench, you know, champion at the bit and, and ready to come on. That they, you know, he's not scared to use them. Which in in the long run, I think we'll we'll keep players on the toes a bit more. Mm-hmm. I I think you've got to make sure that Chiquinho ends up in your player this um in your player this season in the end of the season quiz that you'll inevitably have because people <laughs> yeah. forget him by April I tell you. 
Yeah, there's going to have to be some question in the who played the the least amount of minutes, <laughs> who, who, who subbed off the quickest, non-injury. <laughs> um, right, so we're going to move into sort of the new section now. So uh, under 18s now they haven't had a great start to the season, and that unfortunately continued uh, during our little break that we've had. So Saturday the second of September they travelled to Brighton and lost four nil in their opening Premier League League Cup group stage game. Uh, this week, they are away at Everton, played at Finch Farm uh, Complex, and that's Saturday, 11am kickoff, back in league action there. Uh, the under-21s, they've also not started fantastically, and they lost 2-1 away at Leeds uh, last, last Friday, the 1st of September. That match was played. That was a league game. Uh, they haven't actually got a game this week, and the next game is Spurs at home on Monday the 25th with a 7pm kickoff. That match has been played at Clayton Wood. So, you know, the, uh, obviously they rotate between Clayton Wood, the Bet365 Stadium and St George's Park. Well, this one's going to be at Clayton Wood for anyone who wants to go down. Uh, the women, now they have been busy in the past couple of weeks and with sort of mixed results as well. So they started off well. Sunday the 3rd, uh, they had a 4-0 home win against Huddersfield, which we thought set them up nicely for the home visit of Liverpool Feds on the Wednesday the 6th. Unfortunately, there was a poor first half, and there were quite a few goals down at half-time, came back, but eventually lost the game by five goals to three. Uh, and then last Sunday, the 10th, they travelled all the way up to Newcastle United uh, and lost that game 3-1 as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of change, a lot of upheaval around the women's side over the summer, and they again, like the men's team, are probably just sort of finding finding each other, finding the feet, and they've obviously got a new a new head coach uh, thrown into the uh, thrown into the mix as well for everyone to sort of try and learn. Uh, and so hopefully they will uh, pick up that result, uh, pick up the results, should I say, on uh, this coming Sunday. So 2pm kickoff at the Emery Stadium in Norton when they host Wolves. So good luck to the women there on Sunday. Uh, news-wise, so the Leeds game at home on the 25th of October, that's been chosen for live TV coverage. It's going to be live on Sky Sports. Uh, the date is staying the same as it originally was. However, the kickoff has been put, pushed back from 7.45 to 8 p.m. So it gives everyone 15 minutes longer to get there, uh, but 15 minutes less uh, less sleep when you get in after off that car park around midnight, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we have actually, we've also named our 25-man squad. We say 25-man squad, it's actually 23. Um, so a couple of the, couple of the signings actually uh, were in the under-21s uh, because obviously they were young enough to, to go in there, so they weren't counted. Uh, notable absentees in the 25-man squad. Blondie wasn't in there. Um, obviously the goalkeepers named were Fielding, Bonham and Travers. Uh, so there's no place for Blondie, and there's also no place for DiMaggio Wright-Phillips. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've got two spaces in the squad. No, Nothing for DiMaggio, which is interesting. We don't know whether, whether he and uh, Blondie will be heading out, uh, or maybe they've been told the time at the club is maybe coming to an end. I know they're both sort of out of contract at the end of this season. Uh, do you think it may be best for both of them to find themselves uh, past his new Ben? 
I think Demarjo's time to prove himself was last season. Um, you know, we've got so many players now that you know he really needed to take the mantle while we had limited attacking options. Um, you know, we've got more attacking options than we can handle at the moment. So um, I'm. It's a shame for him because I thought he had you know the raw ability to to be a really important player for us, but you know hasn't played didn't even play when he was on loan did he um you know but there's a player in there and he needs to you know he needs to get out and play some football same for blondie who i've i've never seen him play i don't think many people have um but you know if he wants a football career he needs to get out there and you know play some football doesn't he yeah exactly i think he's had a couple of loan spells blondie and mixed results shall we say um Without getting into too much detail, you know the the, the feedback hasn't been great at times, uh, but flashes of some sort of progress coming. He needs to go somewhere now, like say, challenge to the number one, sign permanently at a level where he can get into the side and then build himself from there. Uh, Dimaggio, now when he plays for the under twenty ones, he looks a class above. He, he you know he, he scores goals, he sets goals up, he's involved continually. And I think when he has sort of played for the first team, at times he's come on and looked a threat, but there's not been the consistency probably needed. So for me, I think he, if if he's again go somewhere, maybe if he has to drop down a division, but he's he's young enough to come back. You know, he's got plenty of time on his side. Go down to League One, get yourself a club that will play you week in week out, giving you opportunities, and and build yourself a reputation back up again and come back stronger. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so, do you remember um, last season, um, House of... Uh, is it House of Cavani? Became our former wear partner. Yes. Um, and we did a promo video with four Stoke players in it. Can you name who they are? Oh, the House of... I'm trying to think now. Who, who would look suave in a suit? Who would they have picked? <laughs> um, I would say it was the start of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Joe Bursett would have been one. Nope. No. Ooh. Um, Do you want a clue? Jacob Brown? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say... Did you imagine sort of Baker, Loren, that kind of... So here's your clue. They've all left. They've all left. Or, or are about to, by the sounds of things. You've already mentioned one. So it was DiMaggio one. Yes. Um, so you've got DiMaggio, Jacob Brown, um, the, who are the other two who else has left? Nick Powell. Nick, Nick Powell, of course, yes. Because Nick Powell looked dapper Nick, in it, wasn't he? Nick, Nick Powell and Josh Time and Josh Time. <laughs> and they've all gone. That's uh, yeah. how crazy is that? So let's hope that you know <laughs> Berger, Vidigal, uh, Mai, yeah. and McNally don't all appear in a House of Cavani suit in the next couple of days. Otherwise, they'll all be cannon fodder. So when when they're in the, when they finish training and they're all sort of just dossing around and whatever, and the House of Cavani just pop their head in and go, oh, "We need we need four people for the new ads." <laughs> 
and Alex Neal looks around the change room and goes, uh, take him, him, yeah. him and him. And they go, oh, no. Oh, we're off. I, right, I need to get my agents on the phone. <laughs> to be fair, it worked out okay for Brown. Yeah. I don't think that's the worst move in the, for Josh Diamond either, I think. No, that's true. Um, as much as I don't think he maybe would have chose to leave, given the given if the choice was entirely his, I think he probably would still be here. Mm. Um, I think the fee we got for him and the fact that he can now go and play regular game time, I think is a deal that everybody comes out well of and I don't think you have too many of them in football, do you? No, the only people that didn't come out very well were the people that paid for the flag that was up in the stands during lockdown. And unfortunately, I I, I contributed to that, so I am <laughs> locked down as well. <laughs> it could be one of them like memorial, not, not memorial in that sense, but memorial to Stoke oh, career. <laughs> memorial to Stoke career. <laughs> he's only moved to Wales, Dan. He's not. He's not dead. He's <laughs> dead to me if he's in Wales. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we could do that. I mean, is it, it's Chelsea, isn't it, who have like all the old, old players, um, sort of flags and stuff around the place, don't they? Yeah, we we could maybe start something like that. I mean, we probably need more than one to to make it not seem a bit strange, but I'm sure we can get a few. Mm, yeah, who else should we get a flag for? Berahino. Um, yes. Yeah, Berahino. You can have one. <laughs> Nicky Mayempa, legend. Um, <laughs> oh, you, you could do. I could do a whole quiz on uh, on naughty's goalkeepings that never actually played a game. <laughs> Wanaki Dello. Wanaki Dello. Now you're going back. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're. I'm sure that you can go back further. But this uh, this this sounds like it's for a different podcast. <laughs> the, these these players make Diego Ares Mendy look like an all time veteran. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Um, I, actually, in other news, one thing just to wrap the the news section up as such uh, is Kyron Clark. Is Kyron or Kieran? It's I'll say Kyron. Um, from so well, he's, he's not from anywhere. He's, he's he's without a club at the minute, and those are the kind of players that we need to be signing uh, now the window's shut. Been heavily linked. Uh, do you think he'll be a good asset to bring in? Yeah, he sort of screams. Um, Bill Jagielka, but a bit younger. <laughs> you know, like it. You know, got really good Premier League experience. Um, I I don't know how injury prone he is, but he can play centre back. He 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 can play left back. I, it's a shame we didn't get Twanzebe because I don't think he's in that mould in the sense that you know, if if Twanzebe plays for Ipswich where he's gone. You know they'll have a hell of a centre back. Um, if he's injured, then you know obviously not worth it. And you know they've got a gamble with him. Um, Clark's probably less of a gamble, maybe a bit more reliable in terms of how often he's going to play. But I don't know how well he's um, you know been able to keep his athleticism with age. Um, but I, yeah, fine. I can't see him starting every week, but we'll see. He, he inevitably will, just like you know. Um, Stephen Moore did for that time under Nathan Jones. I think you'll be good experience for what is still um, easy to forget, still quite a youthful, a youthful defence. Um, yes. I think so Michael Rose is currently the eldest of the centre-backs and I think he's only sort of mid, mid-20s, mid isn't he? Mm. Um, ben Wilmot still 
he's quite a young player. He's got a lot of experience, um, but he's still say relatively young. Uh, so yeah, I think it could just be just be that older head when things aren't going your way, especially like say if that drives into two or three games. A great player to have around the place, even if he's not playing. I would say. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Now move on to Ohlone Roundup. So obviously the window's shut as well. There's been quite a few uh, of our players that have gone out on loan, and a good friend of the pod has uh, done some good research for us. Uh, so he's been so Liam Burks uh, at Liam underscore Burks on X slash Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Um, he has very kindly gone out there and just put some uh, something together. So Tommy Simkin is at Solihull Moors. Eight games played, played every minute so far. They are unbeaten in those eight games are Solihull. Uh, and he won the, uh, the Solihull Moors player of the match in his second match for them. Uh, he says all the interactions he's had with the Solihull fans have been positive. His keeping game is good all round. Saved a penalty. He's been named in the National League Team of the Week and he's been called up for the England under-20s uh, all the space the last couple of weeks. So very positive news there for Tommy Simkin. Uh, Tom Edwards played every minute of the first four against Huddersfield. Um, didn't start too badly, but progressively dropped off and he was dropped from their last game. Nowhere has he been said he was injured as such. He was just not in the squad. Uh, Huddersfield conceded nine in the four games he did play. Um <laughs> So, yeah, and uh, obviously Liam's point here feels very familiar to his time at Stoke. Uh, <laughs> personally, maybe he's just not championship level, sadly. Yeah, it's starting to look a bit ominous for Tom in his career at this level, and it's he's, something's just not quite clicking for him as we all hoped when he sort of burst onto the scene, as Michael Richards says, right backs can do. <laughs> Sonny Singh at Hereford, uh, had to bide his time. He was an unused sub for his first three games, dropped for the fourth, but then he came back and started the last two matches. Uh, Hereford fans have said he's good on the ball, offers decent, decent physicality, quite a tall lad. Uh, no goals or assists, but he has got into the team now, so hopefully he can make uh, make that count. Uh, Alfie Brooks is at Colwyn Bay, started the first game on the bench, then went straight into the first team and has played the last five matches since. Uh, he's got one clean sheet, and Colwyn's got their first win at the weekend, beating Penny Bond 1 0, uh, where Alfie apparently made three or four decent saves. Uh, and um, reports are saying that he's doing really well and is one of Colwyn's star players, especially considering that they got promoted last season and are expected to go straight back down. So he's being kept busy in goal there. <laughs> David Akanbu. Well, he's gone to Warsaw, came on as a sub for his debut, for th- played three minutes, and then he started last weekend, but unfortunately got subbed off at half-time. It's unclear whether there was an injury. Let's, without causing him any pain, let's hope that that was the reason and not performance-related. Uh, Tom Sparrow's gone to Chester, by the way, made his debut on Saturday in a 2-1 win, played right back uh, and impressed all Chester fans there, by all accounts, who were particularly impressed with his crosses. We've got Matt Baker hasn't played for Newport yet, or Lewis McCary, uh, only made his debut for Notts County in the EFL Trophy. So there's quite a few lone players there, giving you um, quite, a, quite a thorough 
sort of breakdown of how they've gotten on through the month of August and that we uh, will sort of try and pick out one each week going forward and uh, yes uh, like I say hopefully we can see some of the young lads there uh, pushing on and uh, doing well on their spells away from their club uh, any other business I don't think we can move on to the last section without mentioning this this we're recording this on Wednesday and it is the 13th anniversary of an event that still now makes the hairs on your arm stand up or it does for me anyway Ben it was Tony Pulis returning to the to the Bet365 Stadium just after half time of a Premier League game against Aston Villa having missed the first half due to um, his mother's passing earlier that day he left the family home, South Wales, to drive up so he could take charge. You know, obviously, he arrived in time to take charge of the second half. And it really was... It was it was something that just showed how much this club meant to him and how, how much he wanted success and just how, how, much, how much of an honour it was for him to, to be here, I think. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I saw the video that Stoke put out earlier today showing this, and normally I would, you know, seeing this on Twitter, I would normally quote tweet that and say something nice, but it's just something that I don't really have words for, um, so I'm not going to try and do the moment injustice by, <laughs> by by trying to do it live on a podcast now. It It, it was just... You're right, hairs on the back of your neck. It certainly did for me when I was watching the video back. So, um, yeah, what a credit he he was and still is to the club. Um, and we'll be very lucky if we get a manager who cares about the club just as much as he still does. Yeah, I think that, that was pretty much it. He, he, he showed that, that, that sort of one thing there. Nobody, nobody, nobody was expecting him. Or, you know, there would have been no questions asked about his absence if he wasn't there. But he made sure because he felt it was his, I don't know, a duty of, of whatever to, to be there. And, you know, I think that, that moment sort of just solidified his status within the Stoke fans. You know, there was, there was, there was, always, there was always mumblings, wonder of, of the style of play and... Uh, not playing this player, falling out with that, whatever. I think the unified, the, the fan base was one in saying that, yeah, no, no matter what what decisions make, he makes them for the best, what he feels is best for this football club because I'd say the, to do that was just, to turn up on that day was just an amazing, amazing thing to do and, and, um, you know, to get also to to get the blessing of his family to do it as well for them to understand and 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 you know allow that to happen because you know he, he didn't just get up and walk out did he it, 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 they you know they, they all understood that how much it meant to him yeah I am um, I'm, I'm I'm not even gonna try and yeah. add on to that yeah I think you've uh, I think you've covered that way better than I I could even think of Right, well, on, on, that, uh, on that note, I think we can now move into this weekend's game against Norwich. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. So I am going to throw some stats out to you, as always. We're going to start with some stats, Ben. Uh, we've played Norwich at 59 occasions, 21 wins, 18 draws, 20 defeats. We have played them at Carrow Road on 28 occasions, with a massive four victories, <laughs> 10 draws and 14 defeats. How about this one? All four wins at Carrow Road have got one thing in common. Any idea what they are? 1-1 one, one now. They were all 1-0 wins. Oh, 10 points to Gryffindor. Well done. <laughs> 1975, 1995, 2007 and 2018. All 1-0 victories. Um... So, three Stoke players have played every minute of league football this season. Uh, ben Wilmot, Mark Travers and Ender Stevens. So, the way the uh, we just made the comment about Travers and Stevens, that may be Wilmot out there on his own. It's a lot, Ben. <laughs> come, come 3-0-1. You'll be the he last one. He does his ACL it. against Norwich now. <laughs> All he needs to do is, is just be there for when the ref blows his whistle. That was the last one. The last one to play yes. the um, Stokes away record this season is played to lost two with no goals scored, unfortunately. Um, but we have eight wins, six draws, and nine defeats uh, in the last season away from home, which wasn't too bad a record. We also have no win in five away from home since the 4 0 win at Coventry, and we haven't scored in 344 minutes away from home. So not great, not great recent record away from home. Uh, Norwich at home this season played 2-1-2, which was a 2-1 win against Hull and a 3-1 victory against Millwall. Um, in fact, their last game was away at Rotherham and there was, that 2-1 defeat was the first time they'd lost in all competitions this season. Hmm. Um, so yeah, just just in time for players. Whether that's a good thing or not, I do not know. <laughs> um, Alex Neal versus Norwich. He has one win from eight games with three defeats. David Wagner, obviously the Norwich manager against Stoke. Now he has he has yet to beat Stoke in four games, two draws and two defeats. Alex Neal against Wagner is there's been two games which was a two one win for Wagner's Huddersfield in December sixteen and then the nil nil draw between these two sides at the Bet three six five stadium in March of this year. Uh, Alex Neal versus old clubs. He's got three wins, four draws, and six defeats. So we are six points better off than the corresponding fixtures last season, and two points better off than we were after uh, five games last year as well. 
Uh, Norwich are top scorers in the championship with 14 goals and have the third best conversion rate uh, with from 107 shots. So they score 13.1% of their shots. Uh, Stoke are only above Middlesbrough and Huddersfield on that table. So we've scored five goals from 103 shots with just 4.9% conversion rate. When when are these goals going to come? Well, Norwich have scored a league-high five goals in the first half an hour, uh, but have yet to score in the final 15 minutes of the first half. Uh, they've also conceded four, four times between the 16th and 30th minute, uh, while Stoke have only conceded once in the first half hour. So if we can keep them quiet in that first half an hour, we may be on to something. But our, our Achilles heel appears to be after half-time. We've let three goals in in the 15 minutes at the start of the second half. One thing just to, to finish off on stats-wise, uh, Ty Campbell uh, scored 28 championship goals for Stoke. The second top scorer in the squad isn't going to be playing. That's the injured Lewis Baker, who has scored 15. Any idea who's next out of the current squad? Who's scored the most championship goals for Stoke? Laurent? Keanu Hoover. Oh, really? Henry. Henry's got <laughs> wow. five. So if, if, so if Ty doesn't play, and obviously we know Lewis won't be, uh, then yeah, our top scorer in this in the, with championship goals out of the players on the pitch will be our right back Henry. Uh, wow, it was on loan. <laughs> God, <laughs> is Bonham next? <laughs> I think actually, I think Josh Loren and uh, actually Andre Vidigal would be next. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, I was thinking more own goals. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, or errors that lead to goals. Yeah, throwing the ball in your own net. <laughs> Every time I think of Jack Bonham, I was thinking of that Reading game. Oh, was... I know. <laughs> I, oh, I, and, you know, he could save 10 penalties this season. And for me, that Reading goal will be what he's known for when yeah. he leaves. It's such a shame for him, but it was just... You know, one of those infamous moments that'll just stay with him until he leaves. Especially when Aidan Flint could have just done the decent thing and just cleared it off the line. <laughs> God, Helped then we all forgot about it. But, <laughs> oh dear, was that in lockdown? Was that after lockdown? No, it was only um, that was last season. It can't have been. I'm sure it was. It got it. Oh blimey. <laughs> That's been a long 12 months, Ben. <laughs> oh, that's it, because it, it was basically just Baker on his own in the midfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we played like five players on each wing. Yeah, what was it, what was it one of Neil's fierce games? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And he decided to, you know, essentially throw it by playing Josh Laurent on the left wing or whatever he did. This, I want some wingers. I will make somebody here into a winger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why Why would you, if you've got no wingers at the club, play eight of them? <laughs> I think he's he's certainly making sure he's, he's got wingers available now. <laughs> he's hoping that one of them will put a decent ball in. <laughs> he's, got, he's got PTSD from last season. That's why he's just going out and buying every, every yeah. winger in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the referee. No, this, this isn't great. Oliver Langford. Career, 246 games. 810 yards, 32 reds, he's given 62 penalties, 
Of those 246 matches, we've had 98 home wins, 66 draws and 82 away wins. So not too bad. On the, He's not too much of a homer by all accounts. Uh, with refereeing Stoke, we've got four wins, four draws and nine defeats. Um, in those 17 matches, he's given us 28 yellows, uh, one red and one penalty. Uh, last season, he left the 1-0 home defeat to Sunderland. Uh, the 2-1 away win at Preston and the 2-1 at home defeat to Bristol City, where I think he solidified his reputation as an absolutely awful referee, if I remember in that game. <laughs> hasn't most championship refs at this point. Yes, hasn't. Give me a good one. <laughs> yeah, because they don't really last very long if they show any any crumb of uh, being a decent official. Emily of of any awareness or integrity, they get bumped up straight to the Premier League. Yeah, apparently, we'll have you because we haven't got many good ones up here, so no. you can come wrestle beer. Um, uh, referee Norwich, he does seem to like Norwich. Ten, uh, ten victories for them, three draws, just the two defeats. Uh, and in those 15 matches, he's given them just 18 yellows, two reds. And uh, awarded them six penalties, nonetheless. Oh, my God. Uh, last season, he refed them in the 1-0 home loss to Luton and a 3-2 home loss to Preston. So he's only left two defeats for Norwich in 15 matches, yet they were both the last two games, both in the last 12 months. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe they've been upset by something. Maybe he's... I know, he's... Is uh, maybe Delia gave him food poisoning or something last time he was at Carrow Road and he's he's not too <laughs> impressed. <laughs> oh dear. Um, right. So before like, before we do get into the nitty gritty, one last thing on this day, um, on this day, so sixteenth of September, the day of the match. Would you like to know what happened on Wednesday, the sixteenth of September, nineteen eighty-seven? Oh, we may as well, Dan. The Central Defensive Partnership of George Berry and Steve Bowles was renewed after Bowles' back injury. The new solidness provided a platform and Steve Parkin scored to beat Reading at Elm Park. George Berry was a real fan's favourite in his younger days and the most, the most distinctive haircut of any footballer. At his testimonial game against Paul Vale in 1990, he kissed the turf and spent the last hour of the match stood on the booth and end. <laughs> so it's... It's not been a very eventful day, I don't think, because most of that information was about a game that didn't even happen on that day. <laughs> but... Well, thanks. So I'm, I'm going to class all of that as the bad news for this fixture. Can you tell us any good news? I can tell you the good news. The good news is um, that Josh Sargent is injured and he the first game he missed was the Rotherham game. So what we can do is we can take that... Their entire good early season form was down to Josh Sargent, and his his absence is um, basically wrecked their chances of doing anything this season. Uh, along with the fact that our one of the biggest nemesis we've had in recent years, Timu Puki, is also no longer in the country, let alone at the club. He's now playing out in the MLS, I believe. So, happy days! Wow. We, is that more positive, mate? Is that good? Good stuff. I it's it's a crumb of comfort. It's a start. <laughs> yes, it's a shame that Gabriel Sara started the season very well. I'm assuming that he's fit. Yeah, he's um, 
He's certainly then obviously they've got Ashley Barnes as well, who will be giving our centre halves the uh, a bit of a a rough a rough couple of hours, no doubt. Mm. Uh, in fact, Adam Ida has come in for Sargent, and he's he's scored two two in five this season. Um, he's actually one more goal, and it's actually his best ever season. Before this year, he'd scored six goals in seventy-one championship matches. So, although he's had a decent start, um, it's not. He's not going to be prolific as he's, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have him up front than Josh Sargent, anyway, put it that way. I mean, that, those are the kind of words that come back and bite you on the bum, aren't they? Let's be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at this stage, giving me the choice, I think Sargent is a, I think he's a very good footballer for this level. I think, you know, even when they, they played in the, you know, they had that season with him in the Premier League a couple of years ago, I don't think he was massively sort of out of place if you like there I think mm. he's he's a very good technical footballer and they've got decent players around him now and I think that's why they were having such a good impact at the start of this year um, I think he is a big loss for them to be honest I think we it's something for us to, to sort of build on like say Barnes you know what you're going to get with Ashley Barnes aren't you Um Especially sort of playing in a number ten role, and they sort of play four two three one, and he's like in the middle of the three. So he's not your conventional number ten, is he? He's not sort of like you know. <laughs> he's not Bojan, is he? No, he's not. He's not your um, yeah. He's certainly not going to be gliding along the turf, is he? No. <laughs> Defense splitting two balls, but I suppose what he could do is, um, I suppose he could act as sort of a magnet for the ball, couldn't he? And then you've got players either side, player further on, and he's you know, he's got all options all around, sort of 360 around in that ante to to lay it off. Um more more mama than Bojan I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that sort of position. <laughs> um one player who has sort of sort of um, you know forced his way into the team for was that Jonathan Rowe, isn't he on the sort of playing left wing now, used to have a lot of pace about him, and I think he scored five goals this season. So it's interesting because he's got such pace. Does that mean for you that maybe Hoover keeps his place at right back to sort of match up pace on pace? Because you know defenders, one thing they don't like is people running at them, isn't it? And you know people who are quicker than them. Or would you go for say Gooch, who's not as quick as as Henry, but is probably more experienced in sort of dealing with that and and defensively maybe a little bit more solid, is it safe to say? Yeah, I think we are probably going to have to try and be as probably as solid as possible. Um, they, they start the season very well, haven't they, Norwich? Um, I know they lost to Rotherham, but you know, by the sounds it Rodden sort of defended reasonably well and rode their luck um, everyone else Norwich seems to have just bulldozed their way through so um, you know having experience back there which we're going to lose from Ender Stevens if he's not playing um, but we haven't got Kieran Clark yet I assume he wouldn't be starting on Saturday even if we did sign in between now and Friday when this pod comes out um, so you're looking at someone like Gooch who's the next oldest so I wouldn't be surprised to see him 
on on one of the flanks. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him at left back, maybe, and Hoover on the other side. Um, and then Wilmot and I don't know. Is it going to be McNally? Is it going to be Rose? I, I don't know. Is it a return of the back five? <laughs> it, this is very hard. I, I, I'd be surprised if we managed to pick a correct starting eleven by Christmas because it's um, <laughs> you know it's 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 really difficult at the moment because um, you know anyone who's played quite well has you know dropped out of the team and um, oh god, Alex Neil must have such a headache. Um, but hopefully this last fortnight um, he'll have been able to translate his message across to the players better and um, you know they understand his game plan a bit more and um, hopefully we're a bit more of a match for Norwich than most other teams have been this season Yeah I'm just wondering as well on that right hand side whether Larice um, could be key obviously with mm. sort of energy and his extra Sort of defensive abilities that he's got as a forward, but at the same time, if we are playing sort of the you know four three three, how much do you want him going back, and and then leaving sort of Wesley isolated more further forward? He may well sort of complement Hoover though. If he's bombing forward, you know, Larice may be there to cover his backside. Um, but uh, I don't think it sounds like we've not got an awful lot of choice. We could throw Chamadeu in at the deep end, but uh, I wouldn't say that this is the best way to game started off. Um, yeah, unless we play someone in front of Henry, who's you know not not as defensively minded, I, I can't see that ending particularly well. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to go for Lloris and Henry really. I've got Travers in goal, brackets Bonham, of course. <laughs> if um, if if Matt, at all possible, please can we have Travers? Yes. If, if, if there's anything out there that can be done, can we? You know, these um, oxygen chambers, whatever's needed, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we can fund it. Wheelchair. <laughs> um, I, I've got Travers in goal. I've got uh, Henry. At right back for me, obviously, with just mainly with the pace, and yeah, there is Larissa is going to be playing further up. Uh, but for me, I've got Wilmot and McNally uh, defense and uh, Stevens on the left hand side. Now, if Stevens isn't fit, I'm actually going to put Junior in at left back. Um, I think I say it's thirty minutes the deep end. It's also not ideal that he's on the wrong side, but um, he has played and played quite well by all accounts uh, from what I've seen uh, for Colchester on the left hand side uh, not anywhere near as much as on the right but when he has played on the left it's not as if he's sort of a looked at a place so I think it's, it's sort of a needs must scenario but again hopefully Stevens is fit to, uh, to take the field midfield for me I actually keep it the same uh, Pearson, Loren and Berger uh, I think there's a lot of pressure, mate. A lot of pressure possibly building on on Loren as others sort of get fit or start to um, start to lay more of a, a you know, marker down as to, as to what they're capable of uh, with sort of some of these new signings and that, and obviously Daniel Johnson as well beyond the bench. 
But for me, this game, I think we're going to have to be solid in that. And I think it gives Loren the perfect opportunity to, to excel and and you know be more his sort of his strengths can come to the fore in this game, I think. Again, I've got Lloris on the right, as I've said. I've, I've got Andre Vidigal returning on the left. No idea if he's fit, but hopefully he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> if not, then I would play Tyrese Campbell out on the left, although Campbell and Junior does... Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a very open left hand side. That is a very open left hand side. Um, Haksabanovic, do, do we know? Does he like helping out a fullback? He, his comments don't strike me <laughs> as a team man. I'll be honest. <laughs> no, by the sounds of it, he's 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 very much one for Rotherham, isn't he? Yes. Or, or you know, a Huddersfield or or a Preston, to be honest, to be able to break a defence down. And I I don't think we're going to have that sort of problem against Norwich. So. Um, no. I can't see this being a game for him. No, me neither. Maybe I think it would be perfect. Maybe Josh Tight. I know he's going. Uh... <laughs> Jacob Brown. Yeah, Jacob Brown. Yes, up in there. <laughs> John Walters. Maybe can we clone Larice and put him on the left hand side as well? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be ironic if after signing eighteen players and sending one of them back in the summer, it's Alex Neal. Comes out after the game and says, "I had to play Daniel Johnson left wing today, and that <laughs> is not something I want to be doing." Oh dear! I I thought I'd signed enough wingers. Apparently mm-hmm. not. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I I am a bit stuck here. Who do we play? Ryan May? Can he go out there if he's fit? I imagine he's quite versatile across that front four. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, he's got a bit of bit of something about him, hasn't he? Mm. I suppose. I suppose what you what you could do is maybe allow for allow for the midfield to to cover more that side and and you know, sort of shuffle everybody along a bit if required, and then obviously Luis can drop in and every you know, Hoover will what McNally can all sort of move across a little bit to cover Stevens slash Junior if required. I think it's less of an option. It's less of a worry if Stevens plays, isn't it? Definitely. But yeah, if Junior is there, I think we maybe we just have to go with Gooch instead. <laughs> In my head, I think it sort of picks itself. This one, I know I said it's going to be really hard to protect the lineup, but the more I think about it, I think obviously, please, 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 please be Travers in goal. Otherwise. Okay, Jack, you can have the gloves back for this game, but don't 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 keep them for too long. Just going to check um, the result at five o'clock. Let's go yeah. watch it. Um, I think it's going to be Henry at right back. I think it's going to be Wilmot and McNally at centre back. I think it's going to be Gooch at left back. I I agree with you. I think it'll be Pearson, Laurent, and Berger in the midfield just to bring a bit of solidity. Um, Lloris to help out. Uh, Henry on the right hand side. Um, I don't think it's going to be one for Wesley. You know, if he's going to be used for you know games where we need a target man to be able to um, you know break a team down, um, that's not Norwich. Um, so I, I think it could be a game for Ryan May um, up front and on the left. I'm going to say Vidigal if he's fit, just because I think you know. 
he's the most likely to do what we did against Watford, a bit of a smash and grab. Um, so ideally it'd be Vidigal. Otherwise, I'm tempted to chuck Bay in there, but I think that would be really harsh for him as well. Um, so I think it'd probably be Tyrese if it's not Vidigal on the left-hand side. In the bench, it's interesting. There's that many players now on the bench. Yeah, that, you, you can't fit all the attackers on. <laughs> I'm like, you never would have thought that nine subs wouldn't be enough, would you? <laughs> God. Just have the old, uh, like they do at the World Cup, where they just, anyone who's in your squad can just get on the bench. May as well at this point. I think it's going to have to be first come, first served. If you turn up at Carrow Road, you're on the bench. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's, whoever's like the last one there, the coach is gone, left without you. <laughs> oh, no, we don't want to leave them at Norwich. We want to you know, we want to bring them home. No, I'm talking about in Stoke when you're all... <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, co- coach leaves at one o'clock or when all seats are taken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> While stocks last. Um, right, so we're going to listen to a couple of audio pieces now before we get into our predictions. Uh, so first of all, we're going to listen to the one, the only, Graham McGarry, uh, before we then listen to our good friends from Norwich and uh, listen to their preview ahead of the game coming from Adam Harvey. So yeah, Graham and Adam, take it away. Hello there, you Potters predictors. Welcome back to Championship Football this weekend after the international break. Let's hope now that uh, Alex Neal's side and his big squad that he's assembled can get themselves going and kickstart their season because they're just finding themselves a few points adrift of where they would like to be in going into that first international break. Well, it's a tough call, of course, where they're starting at Canna Road, a side that's the top scorers in the Championship, so they know the way to where the back of the net is so Stoke will have to be sound and solid whatever team that the manager picks and the system as well but fingers crossed that break and they are working together on the training ground can produce results but unfortunately I'm not going to go for a, a victory away from home and unfortunately I'm not going to go for the draw away from home either I fancy Norwich to win it by two goals to nil Hello Stoke fans, Adam Harvey here from the Pink and um, Dan's kindly asked me to come on the show and share some thoughts from the Norwich City camp ahead of our meeting at Carroll Road on, on Saturday afternoon and it's a game I'm really looking forward to. Uh, of course the international break has meant no club football for two weeks and, and that's felt like an, an absolute age this time. I think probably the way that Norwich have started the season's making me yearn for football from a club perspective to return. Um it's come as a little bit of a surprise. I mean, the end of last season, one win in 11, really negative mood around the place, lots of anger, apathy, sort of frustration towards Stuart Webber, our sporting director, the board, question marks over David Wagner's credentials. And it wasn't a happy place to be, Carroll Road. Um, lots of fans sort of leaving games early, not wanting to turn up. Uh, pre-season kind of gave us a clean slate uh, lots of players leaving the, the exit door lots of players coming in and we had a really positive pre-season actually went unbeaten against some you know good European sides the likes of Alkmaar Olympiakos Toulouse all very good pedigree across Europe um, playing in European competitions so for Norwich to sort of, you know pre-season is obviously hard to judge but there was lots of positive signs and I think you can kind of sense the fans getting a little bit back on board and, and the start to the season has been absolutely magnificent. Um, 
a two-on win against Hull late at the death on, on the opening game of the season. They went to Southampton, uh, a 4-4 draw in a game that probably the draw was a fair reflection of the game, but I feel like given a couple of poor refereeing decisions, Norwich probably should and could have had three points on, on any other day. Then went and backed it up with a 3-1 win against Millwall at home, which is never an easy you know game. Then go to Huddersfield, get a 4-0 away win against a Neil Warnock side. Really, really impressive. A couple of wins in the Carabao Cup as well, away at QPR and away at Bristol City, both 1-0 wins. We did lose just before the break, a 2-1 defeat against Rotherham, who I think their physicality and our fatigue for the fact we'd had two games on the road that week. We got punished in the first half and, and Rotherham deservedly got the three points. And maybe that's just sort of, I don't know, dampened the mood a little bit, but not much. I think it's probably just given us a little bit of a reality check, but we're still fifth in the league. The mood's really, really good. Um, the players we brought in in the summer seem to be performing to really high levels, the likes of uh, Christian Fashnak, Ashley Barnes, Shane Duffy, uh, then probably the key man, Gabriel Sara, uh, the Brazilian midfielder, just picked up the Championship Player of the Month award. One goal, two assists so far this season. He's actually coming back from an injury as well in pre-season, so he's not fully fit, but I think once he does, I could go as far to say he's going to be one of, if not the best player in the Championship. His chance creations are just off the scale. I think he's he's up there by himself by, by quite a stretch. So lots of dangerous players. Jonathan Rowe as well, five goals in five at one point. Um, a man who came through the Norwich City Academy has kind of been limited in terms of first-team appearances due to injuries last season, but really starting to show his worth at the start of this season. Um, in terms of tactical approach, uh, I think Norwich will probably set up in a 4-4-2, although that becomes quite fluid. It's sort of a, a 4-2-3-1 at points and... It's kind of that ability that Norwich have to to press teams high. Uh, pressing is a key part of David Wagner's system. And we brought in a, another coach from Huddersfield called Narsas Pelash. And the work he's doing in terms of the analysis of opposition and the way Norwich will approach games is, is really starting to rub off. And we can see the benefits of that already, I'd say. Um, we'll, be, you know, we'll be comfortable to let you have the ball, uh, but we'll just be able to hit you on the counter. And I think the players we've got in those attacking areas are so dangerous that we know where the back of the net is. Um, probably the only concern is that we lost Josh Sargent, our main striker. who had a great touch, uh, great start to the season um, against Huddersfield. And that probably showed against Rotherham. Uh, we really, really struggled. But brought in a, a striker from Nottingham Forest called Yuzhou Wang, a South Korean international uh, on deadline day. I imagine he'll be on the bench on, on Saturday, but certainly someone who seems to fit the same mould as Josh Sargent. A um, little bit more experienced, a little bit older, but excited to see what... He can do because he had a, a really good spell in uh, the Liga Un with Bordeaux prior to arriving at Nottingham Forest. So certainly a player with, with good pedigree. We also brought in Danny Bart on deadline day so he could potentially make a debut as well on, on Saturday after we sold Andrew on Mabadaly to Nottingham Forest. Um, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling positive. I think Alex Neal coming back to Carrow Road, you always know that there's going to be that sort of added dimension. He's a, a well-loved manager uh, at Norwich, a man who... Got us back to the Premier League via Wembley in the playoff final. Um, he'll always be remembered for that, and he's probably one of my favourite Norwich managers of, of all time. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be keen to get one over us. And, you know, it seems like from afar you've had a little bit of an indifferent start to the season, but, you know, you've got some really dangerous players. I was kind of having a little scout earlier on today, and there's certainly lots of names on your team sheet that I'm, I'm you know, very wary of. And, yeah, I suppose could, you know, cause me some concern, but. I feel like Norwich, the way that the season started and the fortress that Carrow Road seems to be at the moment, I think 
I'm going to back us to win this one. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Norwich. We seem to know where the back of the net is. I'll back us to score goals. I think you'll grab one because we've been a little bit def- shaky, I'd say, defensively at points. Uh, there is a mistake in Shane Gibson, as Ben Gibson, sorry, and Shane Duffy. Um, but both very experienced defenders and, and know what they're doing. So, yeah, kind of back Norwich, two on win. Um, really looking forward to the game and, and fingers crossed uh, it is a good game because, um, you know, I'm sure travelling all the way down from Stoke, all the Stoke fans will be uh, will be hoping for a positive performance from you guys as well. Well, thank you for that, Adam. And thank you, of course, to Graham before. Uh, so, yes, a rare, a rare defeat uh, predicted by our good friend, Mr McGarry. Um, are you less or more hopeful than is 2-0? I am exactly the same amount of hopeful, unfortunately. Um, I don't think we're going to get tonked, but I just can't see us having the glue for this one. Um, I just think, you know, this is the sort of game that we struggled in this season. Um, you know, teams are, you know, playing reasonably well, Ipswich, um, Preston. Uh, yeah, I can I can see it's coming a bit unstuck in this one. And I think um, I, I would have said 2-0 to Norwich as well, unfortunately. But that's not very optimistic, is it? So that's no fun. Um, like I say, it'd be great if we could nick one of those one nils that we always seem to get at Carrow Road if, if we're ever going to win a game. And let's hope that Vidigal comes back and you know, is able to be the difference maker again. Yeah, I think a lot depends on who's actually going to be fit and played, isn't it, as to as to what the final result's going to be. Mm. Um, I really don't want to predict us to lose, but I think they've started really well. I know we've sort of mentioned about Sarge being injured, but, you know, they're scoring goals for fun, top scorers in the league. I think... We've got, if they are fit, are they going to be 100% fit as well? For me, in this game, in a few months, I think we maybe get something from, but right now I think we may just not come out of there with anything. I'm going to say 2-1 defeat. Oh. And I'm only going to, I'm only not, not going for a draw because, because Mike's um, very reluctant to do this forfeit at the end of the season, so I can't... <laughs> So I can't, I can't lose on the table. Otherwise, oh, I'd, yeah. otherwise I'd just throw a draw in there if there was nothing riding on it. <laughs> you, you can add a caveat in there and say that if Bonham starts, we're conceding five. Yes, well, the, yeah. The, but I have two predictions. <laughs> but, but he'll save a penalty. So all's good in the world. <laughs> a bit like, was it JJ Basic at Fulham until last, was it? Two years ago, oh yeah, we lost. We, lost, we absolutely trounced, didn't we? But he saved a penalty right at the end, so it was, he did. I think Alasima played that game. I think he started, and then he come off injured, didn't he? Or the rare sighting of the lesser spotted Seema. There's so many players we've mentioned today that are, you know, like Outrageous. this is this is proper <laughs> deep Stoke knowledge, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if, you, if you want to, an A to Z of former Stoke players, just just check out the current Rangers squad. there. So gaffer wise, do you, are you are you getting on on gaffer then? Do you know? I have done the typical thing of uh, playing uh, 
a gaffer team. And pretty sure last week I still had Sinistera in there, who's obviously uh, left now. But I can tell you how well I've been getting on in just a moment. I think I'm doing okay. Um, I have 300 points. And in the every step along the way league, I am 19th, which considering that I've not changed my team for a couple of weeks, I'm reasonably pleased with that. But you I can confirm be. that I have made some subs now, um, albeit, I, uh, do I still have Nathan Teller? Yeah, I think I've got Nathan Teller still. So I've, I've, I've got some work to do. You've <laughs> run out of free subs this week. Yeah. You changed them all. And he's my captain, so that's not good. <laughs> so I, my, my captain is uh, Che Adams. He didn't play, and oh, he still didn't get he lost five 0 <laughs> So I lost out on him playing. While I said he never even moved anyway. <laughs> oh blimey! Um, but I got thirty-one points last time out. Uh, takes me to two hundred and sixty-nine, and I am twenty-seventh. So I am eight places below you. So oh, yeah. and uh, a good thirty points behind. Uh, so number one is a my team, but Ryan my <laughs> team, yeah, with three hundred eighty-six. Uh, second is Anthony Hobbs with three seven four, and third place is at Thurgood Joe with three six three. So well done to you three, leading the way at the minute. Uh, Super six. Is there something you're in as well, Ben? Do you do Super six? No, because I barely remember to do Gaffer. Yes, the the list. I'm also in like a, a predictor thing that I sort of do with my friends, where I'll send them a load of games and they sort of predict. Um, they send, they fill in like a Microsoft form, send it back to me. I make it into like a table, and we get points for how close we are to the results and that. Um, so I have to do that and Gaffer and Super Six. <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> I have to make myself a little list every Friday. Right, what do I need to do today? Yes. <laughs> what are my deadlines? Um, but yes, far too much. I will, have, I will at some point completely forget Super Six. I guarantee you as well, it will be during like a midweek or something. Mark will come on. He never tells me when there's midweek ones. He just waits until after then goes, oh, did you not know there's a Super Six this week? <laughs> I managed to get 31 points from a 30 available. Oh, great. Cheers, Mike. <laughs> um, but at the minute, I am ahead of him. Anyway, I've got, I was actually fourth in our league this week with 11 wow. points. Uh, yeah, top, the top three all got 13. Then I was uh, part of a group who were next best with 11. And that took me to 32 overall and 27th in the table. Uh, Mike got six, uh, six points. Uh, which left him on 27 points and in 69th place. Uh, so you can tell from that there's a five points difference. It's quite close. Uh, but yeah, leading the way, Kevin Williams is third with 43. Uh, Paul Hurd has 44 in second. And then with a big 50, Ben Dawson is top of the shop. So well done to you three guys as well. Um. I have got a little six times challenge. If you want to end this pod with a little quiz. Well, Dan, it's up to you. We can do yours. But by some amazing coincidence, if you fancy the roles being reversed this week, I managed to, I, I, I have actually got one on my desk. Go on then. Yes, we can do that. That is fine. Okay. So, I mean, we can do yours after as well, if you like. So, this is a complete and utter coincidence. So I've been messing around with my Stoke City frames on my wall back there. 
Um, and I've taken down a signed team sheet, uh, which has got Mark Hughes, uh, Mark Bowen, and Eddie Niz. Yeah, him. Yes, him. Um, <laughs> on it. Um, it is from Sunday, the 29th of September, 2013. Uh, who did we play? Norwich. Um, I think Ooh. it was a 1-0 loss. Um, and Ricky Wan Bolswinkel scored. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to take your mind back. Um, so, your six-town challenge, if you choose to accept it. We had seven players on the bench, obviously, because, you know, it was back in the olden days where you had seven players on the bench. Um, Thomas Sorensen was on the bench because Asmo Begovic was in goal. Can you name the other six people on the bench? Ooh. So, okay. 29th of September, 2013 is your biggest clue. Okay, so this that would have been quite quite early in the uh, in the Hughes regime there, isn't it? Very much so. Literally start of the first season. Mm. Now, do I get any help with who is starting this game? Um, I tell you what I'll do. We played 4-5-1. So if you're able to get... You get three lives. If you manage to get the bank of four at the back, the bank of five in the middle... Or the striker, so any one of the three banks, I'll give you an extra life, and I won't take a life away if they're in the starting eleven. Okay. So, I'm trying to think who he would have been starting up front at the very beginning. Now, I know his first signing was Arnautovic. Did Arnautovic go straight, he went straight into the side and he started from the very beginning? But well, this is an away game in Norwich, wasn't it? Home. Oh, it was a home game to oh, Okay. So, yeah, I think Arnautovic would have been starting that game. Can I say, was Arnie starting? He was. He was, right. Okay. Uh, uh, I can, on the bench, I reckon John Walters would have been on the bench. No, he started. He started. Did he start out wide or up front? He started out wide. He was on the right. So he was on the right. So if he was, if he started out right, then I'm going to have a hazard a guess that Crouchy would have started up front. No, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. Okay, well, that's the wrong way around. So there's what. <laughs> right. Okay. So God, who would have been started up front then? I can't remember. Uh, right. So, if you get the striker, the, the, there's a reason why I'm giving you, yeah, a, an extra life for the play, player that started up front. Right. Okay. Um, you know, sure, sure. Cross would have been in defence. So that's, that's that's a gimme, isn't it? Mm-hmm. With Hooth that early in Hughes's range, surely. Yes. Yeah. Um. Right back. Now, when did we sign? I know we had Bardsley and Johnson were sort of right backs during Hughes's reign. How early were they in there? Hmm. Eric Peters would have played left back. He did indeed. And Zonzi was playing midfield. He did. Yeah. So you got three out of five in the midfield. You got three or four of the defence and one player from the bench. <laughs> Was Wilco involved in the in the squad? 
No, you've lost life. If Crouch Waters is way before Hosselu's time. Oh my word. It was before Boyan, it was before Shakiri. Isn't it a weird season? Yeah. Stephen Island. Stephen Island, when did he come? He was there that season, because I remember him linking up with Adam Wingy. I'm sure it was that season he was there. Is that Saidi on the bench? Yes. Yes. Get That's it. two. <laughs> we got there. We got, we got two. Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam would have been involved somewhere. I'm sure he... Probably would have been on the bench. He started. He started. Yeah, so you've got four or five in the midfield. Mamjuf. your life on? Mamjuf. Was he up oh, front? You've lost another life, mate. No. Yeah, he wasn't involved. Oh, my word. I'm not going to risk Stephen Island. No, I can't do that. So uh, if he is in there, I'll just sort of jinx myself that I can't do it I'm not, <laughs> um, I'm not going to say him uh, Phil Bardsley oh. did I go the wrong one yeah you did Glenn Johnson no no I fancy, no, no. I fancy three so, right backs <laughs> so that that that's that's your lives Jeff Cameron you know what? Because Jeff Cameron is the starting right back, I'll give you one more life. Yeah. <laughs> why did that? Why did that name just pop into my head at that point? <laughs> He's just so forgettable. Yeah, he played like hundred games for us yeah. at least, didn't he? Which now reminds me, because then I thought, well, Jeff Cameron also played centre half, as did Mark Wilson. Only he didn't play left back because Peters did. So I'm going to assume that Mark Wilson may have been on the bench. Oh, you know what? He played in midfield, so you've got another life. <laughs> you, so you've cleared the defence, you've cleared the midfield. He played you, midfield. I was with like one of the three he, games he played midfield. He played actual midfield. Um, and then you've got four more to get on the bench and your striker for um, an extra life. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm running out of people. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Ness is going to be coming out of this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Um, I'm going to guess Ireland. He's on the bench. Three to go. Hang on, Glenn, Glenn Whelan didn't start, did he? You you already said Whelan. I've, I've, it was one of the ones I've already said. Yeah, you got three more on the bench: Whelan, Crouch, and Ireland. You mentioned. I thought I said I said Asaidi, didn't I? You didn't guess Asaidi. You mentioned his name, but Asaidi oh, wasn't. Oh, did I guess? Right. You okay. So you got two more plus the bonus striker, and you got two lives. Come on, Dan. Right. Okay. Oh my goodness. The thing is, I can't even lose my lives because I can't think of any people to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I may have to just. Put myself down here and say, "Well, I right." So, 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 your your last clue is that you were right in saying that Mark Hughes. It's very early in his tenure, so I don't think he signed very many people when he first joined. So they're likely to be Pulis signings. 
Oh, okay. So, so strikers from the Pulis era who were still around then. Okay, so Pulis loved loved a Crouch Walters. I'm sure Jerome had left. So that only leaves Ken Kenwin Jones, and he started. He never started. Kenwin Jones started that game. <laughs> Here's me thinking that Kenwin Jones was long gone by the time he stepped. <laughs> no, because who do we swap him for? Peter Adam Wingy. When you said Adam Wingy, I thought Jones I'm was going to roll off your tongue then. Team four, you. Right. Although that so, was harsh on Kenwin Jones, that, that song. He wasn't. You've got three lives. You've got two more players on the bench. Oh, oh no, you haven't given me no life. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Give come on, player in ten Right, play, players. Were these key Pulis players or not? I'm not telling you. Uh, not telling me. Okay. Um, let me see. Players who played a lot on the Pulis. Uh, Matthew Etherington, he was still around, wasn't he? Because I remember he sort of drifted out and away. So, Matthew Etherington. Lost life. Damn it. <laughs> um, who else? Who else do we have? So, what have we got? How many defenders have we got on the bench? How many defenders have I named on the bench again? There were no defenders on the bench. There were none. Zero defenders on the bench. Oh, right, okay. So I am going to go for midfielders at this point because I I don't think of any other strikers that Pulis had left when he left, <laughs> other than the ones we've named. Um, so they're going to have to be midfielders. Uh, right, okay, so we've got Everington. Uh, Dean Whitehead. No. No, down to one life. Um, you could okay. do this. Okay, who was still there? I think Delap had just left. I'm sure Delap had just left. Ben sitting there thinking, he's not going to say Delap. <laughs> Jermaine Pennant. Yes. Great oh, shout. Okay. One more. Oh, crimes. Who was there? Who was there? Who was there? So we've said Wheeler. I was trying to think the Pewis, the Pewis stalwarts <laughs> who would have stuck around. And I'm going to have to say Rory. I can't think of anyone else who would have still been there. Uh, yeah, Rory Delap. Oh, you've fallen at the final hit. Oh, well. I, you did have six lives. I was going to say, you were very generous, to be honest. <laughs> Give me six lives to get six no, names. No, 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 no. You, you, you played the game with the rules I set you. Um, oh, well, there's a reason why he was on the bench and he stayed on the bench because it was a bit windy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> not, not Big Wilson. Big Wilson was still, was still on the bench. Two, two years after signing him, we still thought... <laughs> we still thought we had a chance with him. So when you said, you know, when you said like, oh, you know, Hughes is like, oh, well, Whelan, no, we're not going to play Whelan. You know, we'll we'll bring in someone. You know, we've got better players than Whelan, surely. Yeah, we've got Mark Wilson, we've got Wilson Palacios. So yeah, <laughs> oh, 
Will Swiggy playing defensive mid Plasos was like happy days this is my time to shine uh, no not no not not you Wilson that Mark Wilson uh, he's a left back <laughs> it's not really though is he <laughs> just been playing there for the last three years <laughs> well I thought you did reasonably well there Wilson Plasos was always going to be the hard one so thank, thank you. Yeah, I did have to. Yeah, that I had to unlock in my parts of my brain there that I had not uh, blown the dust <laughs> off for quite a while. So I, I do appreciate that. I was very good. Thank, thank you, Ben. No, that's okay. And if anybody's still listening, I hope that's relatively well edited because otherwise, yes, people won't realise that um, Wilson Palacios was on the bench because they've turned off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going yeah, to knock about twenty minutes of umming and ahhing off that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a massive coincidence that I had I had that sign team sheet on my wall for the last probably three, four years or so, um, and I and I and I took it down to replace it with uh, a uh, a clay graphics print of Alex Nail. So, which is go. I've seen that that one I've seen on um, on Twitter. Yes, indeed. It looks um, very good. Alex Neal may have even been the manager. Or was it Lambert? I'm not sure. Anyway, last bit of trivia. We just don't manage it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Russell Martin was captain that game. Oh, of course, he now manages Southampton. Mm-hmm. There you go. Although he won't be much longer if he keeps losing 5 0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Well, yeah, I really enjoyed that, mate. Thank you very much, and thank you for joining me. Um, mine was not anywhere near as much fun, so I'm going to let you off with... Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's also half past midnight, so yes. time for bed. And I think two hours for any podcast is long enough. So... Apart from mine. <laughs> yeah, apart, apart from yours, because yours was in-depth. <laughs> two, two hours um, for this one where people... Um, Yes, on, on the match, especially when the you know it's a long it's a long trip down to Norwich, so maybe we'll kill some time for people. Exactly. Um, whilst they are avoiding all motorways on the way down, because <laughs> that's the route you have to take. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, good luck if you are travelling down. Um, sing a song for for me and Ben. Um, and yes, uh, we shall we shall be reconvening in, and your next podcast will be out on Monday when we will be reviewing the hopeful three points at Carrow Road and looking forward to getting three more from Huddersfield. See you later. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.